We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. so much for tuning in to Weird Distractions podcast. This is a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales, urban legends, and conspiracy theories to provide you and more than likely what George Headley may have just considered a weird distraction from everyday life. This week's distraction covers one of the most haunted locations in all of Jamaica and I can't wait to tell you all about it. Because of that, and since I'm winding down on the show, I'm going to bypass my need for a distraction this week, as it remains the same as the last two weeks. As a reminder, next week's episode, being the one that will air on February 25th, will be the final episode of Weird Distractions podcast. I hope you will all tune into that episode, and I hope you will enjoy today's episode. And with that said, let's just dive into it. It's hard to believe this is the second last episode of Weird Distractions. And, you know, I figured because it's the second last episode, a great second last distraction should be a famous paranormal location out of a country that I never got to visit while doing the show, which is Jamaica. I don't think I've ever covered any cases or anything really out of Jamaica. So why not highlight this country the best way I can by talking about something that's really, really haunted in it? If you're a paranormal enthusiast or just a great reader of episode titles, then you already know this week's episode is about Rose Hall. For today's coverage, I'll be covering the history, occult observations, and alleged haunts of this Jamaican hotspot. Before leaving you all with one burning question, being, is this place actually haunted? Or is it just a case of folklore gone wild? Due to potential coarse language, distressing topics, and other potential disturbing adult themes that could be discussed today, listener discretion is advised. Located within Montego Bay with some epic panoramic views of the coast, Rose Hall's history dates all the way back to 1742. The 290 acres of cane land was bought by a man named Henry Fanning, who was an Englishman who bought his future home for only 3,000 pounds. Henry reportedly got this deal off of another man named Richard Lawrence, who originally referred to the property as true friendship. I would love to know two things. First of all, why Richard called the property this? And secondly, when did we stop giving properties names? I mean, you just don't see it as much anymore. Should we bring it back? I don't know. Let me know. Let me know what you would name your property, whether it's an apartment building or your house or your parents' house. I would love to hear what you would name your property in 2024. My curiosities aside, before Henry does anything with his new property, he marries an Irish woman named Rosa in 1746. Now, the wedded bliss was extremely short-lived for Henry and Rosa, as reports claim that Henry would pass away shortly thereafter, leaving his riches and the property to Rosa. Rosa, who was only 24 years old at the time when Henry died, did not give up on love. Quite the contrary. Rosa went on to marry a man named George Ash, a local plantation owner who took initiative from Henry's original plans for the property that his new wife had gained custody of prior to. 
I don't know if Rosa told George, like, hey, before Henry died, we were actually going to build this beautiful building, and now here we are. Do you want to do this? And he was like, yep, sure, babe. Here's my credit card. I don't know. I don't know if that was the case or what, but regardless, George wanted to build on this property that Rosa had, and, you know, they spent a pretty penny doing that. Dropping 30,000 pounds, George and Rosa decorated the dwelling with carved mahogany and stones throughout, basically just making this all sound like a romantic dream floating on luxury and wealth and rainbows and everything. However, George didn't get a lifetime to enjoy these lavish additions, as he reportedly died in 1752. Rosa, a widow again, would go on to marry her third husband, Norman Witter, a year after George's death. Now, to be crass, Norman didn't last long either, with reports claiming he died only two years after he tied the knot with Rosa. Our girl Rosa is just resilient with love, though, and she marries for a fourth and final time to a local neighbor of hers, being a man named John Palmer. Turns out, John was also a widower, and he owned a plantation near Rosa's, and he also owned a very successful plantation near Rosa's place. Plantations, for those who have never heard the word before, are essentially cash crop farms, but they have a dark history tied with slavery. Many wealthy white folks would enforce black slaves to work on their plantations for either little to no money under unfit to cruel circumstances, and sadly, Rose Hall and the plantations nearby were no different than these. They were ran by slaves and owned by white rich people, such as Rosa. Rosa eventually passed away in 1790, leaving her property to John. John would die seven years later in 1797, where he would pass Rose Hall onto his two sons, John and James Palmer. Now, don't quote me on this, but John and James, I think, came from John Sr.'s earlier marriage, potentially, maybe. I don't think him and Rosa ever had kids. But nonetheless, they weren't living in Jamaica. They were, I think, in the UK. And when their father passed away, he left them with these plantations. I read in one website that John Jr. and James never lived in Rose Hall or really came down to Jamaica to see Rose Hall. So who knows who or what happened during this era? What I can say is that there is loads of death talk in this location's history, as you can all tell, and it doesn't end here. John and James would eventually pass away as well, but neither of them had children. So by 1818, both Rose Hall and John Sr.'s plantation were given to the grandnephew, John Rose Palmer. I know, there's a lot. There's a lot of Johns, a lot of Roses, lots of Palms, and not enough new names in this family line at this time right now. So this grandnephew, John Jr. Jr.? Question mark. I'm just going to call him John moving forward. John comes over to claim his new hand-me-down properties, and he goes on to marry a woman named Anne Mary Patterson, who would go by the name Annie in most retellings. Speaking of retellings, it seems like somewhere along the way, people began confusing Rosa with Annie, claiming it was Annie who had three to four or more husbands who died on the property. This tale comes from the 1820s and before that even, so it was bound to get chopped and screwed as time went on. Now, back to the narrative I read, though. It it turns out that new plantation owner John Rose Palmer would lead a short life after moving onto the property, with accounts claiming he died in November of 1827. 
His new wife, Annie, similar to Rosa, would become a young widow with a new property in her hands. But let's learn more about Annie. Dubbed as the star of the story in some resources, Annie had moved to Haiti when she was young with her parents, who reportedly died when she was only 10 years old. Because she had no relatives on the island, Annie became an orphan and seemingly had to become an adult very quickly. I did gather in some narratives that Annie would reportedly be raised by her family's Haitian nanny, who also happened to be a voodoo priestess and allegedly, keyword allegedly, taught Annie a thing or two of the practice. Fast forwarding to when Annie is 18, she meets loss again when her nanny dies. So Annie decides to pack her bags and move to Jamaica. I came across a couple of different resources that noted that Apparently, she very specifically moved to Jamaica to try to find a rich husband, which brings us to when she married John Rose Palmer, a wealthy plantation owner whose family owned the marvelous properties she would call home. Annie was only 18 around the time that she marries John, and some claim she used magic in order to lock him down. Be that as it may, resources I came across noted that Annie moved into Rose Hall and made herself at home, embracing her new status as a wealthy white woman on a plantation. Now, if that sounds like it could be problematic for today's standards, well, that's because it is and was, especially with claims that Annie was a straight-up monster when it came to how she treated the enslaved people on the property oftentimes physically, mentally, emotionally, and allegedly sexually abusing any slave who crossed her path. Some stories claim that she would ride around the property on either a three-legged or a three-foot-tall horse, whipping slaves for her own sick amusement. But despite all this power and wealth she found herself with, life at Rose Hall for Annie just was boring. I mean, her marriage to John apparently bored her. I did read that John may have been abusive towards Annie, which if that's the case, then that's an entire different conversation to be had. But following the more commonly shared story, eventually Annie, being bored, or whatever the reason may have been, began dabbling in affairs with some of the male slaves. The illicit affairs were secretive, but only for a short while, until John, her husband, found her on one occasion doing the business, and he responded by apparently publicly embarrassing her by whipping her in public. So I don't know if he took her in the middle of the property and just began whipping her. It's not really clear to me, but regardless, it's just, it's bad all around. This whole scenario, this whole scene is just not good. After this situation, Annie saw red, which is kind of ironic because red was her favorite color, but regardless, she sought out revenge. She wanted revenge on her husband because he embarrassed her. Yes, she might have been cheating, but still, he took it too far. Anyways, it's been said that John Palmer died shortly thereafter he discovered his wife cheating on him, with many suspecting his now-widowed Annie was behind the matter. Now with John out of the picture, Annie began to rule the roost of both plantations, and accounts claim she was drunk with power. Her abuse towards the property slaves went from zero to a hundred. Rumors of Annie's new widowed life seeped out from the properties, making their way to nearby towns with each terrified whisper uttered. One resource I came across noted, quote, The rumors were that she often used her potions and magic charms to woo lovers to her bed and control her slaves. She ruled with fear, her control otherworldly. She was called the White Witch of Rose Hall, end quote. The White Witch of Rose Hall may have been powerful and feared, 
but her era of terror was coming to an end. Her demise came when Annie eventually became infatuated with a young English bookkeeper who did not reciprocate the affection Annie had for him. It turns out that the bookkeeper only had eyes for a young girl named Millicent, who was the granddaughter of a local healer named Taco. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this name right, but apparently there are some renditions of Annie's story where Taco is the one who teaches Annie voodoo magic. I, it's hard to say. I can't verify that, but just so everybody knows, there's also this other story, this other version, if you will, where Taiko and Annie were once close and they were teaching Annie voodoo magic. Annie became insanely jealous of Millicent, to the point where she couldn't control herself anymore and apparently cursed Millicent. The curse led Millicent to painfully wither and die, resulting in Annie getting her way. But word of Annie's work got back to Taco, who wanted vengeance. Taco, along with a group of slaves, stormed the great house, being Rose Hall, where Annie was one day, and attacked her in her bedroom, strangling her to death. Now, some claim that she was stabbed to death, some claim that she died in other ways, but regardless, Annie was dead now. Annie was quickly buried in a deep grave on the property, where the story claims a ritual was done in order to make sure Annie's spirit could never return. But the lore around this story claims that the ritual wasn't done properly, and thus, here we are discussing Rose Hall on Weird Distractions. I did some further digging and came across a finding grave profile for Annie, which seemed to mention the tale I just told along with the alternative possibility, which is Annie leaving Rose Hall and dying in 1846, not on the property. Regardless, Annie is alleged to be buried in an above-ground tomb on the Rose Hall property, even though not everyone thinks it's her in this unmarked tomb. No one really knows who's in it, but, I mean, a lot of people think it's her. I shouldn't really say it's unmarked because there are drawn-on crosses on it. Alas, there isn't really any further markers on it, just these little white crosses that almost look like they're finger-painted on, so to speak. I should mention, if you haven't already picked up on it yet, that the story of Annie Palmer should be taken with a grain of salt. Not because she didn't exist, but because the actual details of her life have been put into heavy questioning. For this, I'm going to elaborate further with a direct quote from the writings of Alex Matsuo. Quote, Neither Annie or John died at Rose Hall. In fact, John couldn't handle the debts and they eventually abandoned Rose Hall. It stood abandoned for 130 years. John died in 1827 after about seven years of marriage to Annie. When they were at Rose Hall, they only had one or two slaves. After they lost Rose Hall to debt, they lost their slaves too. After John died, Annie sold what was left of their estate for about 200 pounds. She passed away in 1846 at around her mid-40s. End quote. So, after Annie and John's era at Rose Hall came to an end, the property, along with its buildings, sat abandoned for some time, succumbing to the natural elements as time went on. That is, until American entrepreneurs John and Michelle Rowland snatched it up in 1977. The couple would go on to refurbish the Rose Hall and surrounding buildings before opening its doors for tourists to visit the historic property, while also showcasing Rose Hall's slave history and paying tribute to its local lore. 
Tours are still being offered at Rose Hall to this very day, whether you want to explore during the day and focus more on the historical side of things, or go at night to get into the darker history of it all. From the Visit Jamaica website in a direct quote, The White Witch awaits you in the great house at Rose Hall. Dead more than a century, Annie Palmer still stirs memories of her reign as the mistress of the Rose Hall Great House. Cursed by slaves, the White Witch Annie Palmer turned a magnificent plantation into a hell house of atrocities. Countless slaves fell prey to her torture, and all three of her husbands met their death at her hands. The Great House is but one of many attractions on this 6,600-acre Rose Hall plantation. Here, visitors can experience a complete spectrum of island living, mountain villages, cane fields, luxury villas, resort hotels, and condominiums, miles of beautiful beaches, and well-maintained golf courses, end quote. I would be regretful not to mention another building on the property or nearby the property and its musical significance being Cinnamon Hill, which is about a four-minute drive from Rose Hall. Now, Cinnamon Hill was built in 1734 by Edward Barrett, ancestor of Elizabeth Barrett Browning, an English poet whose family made their wealth on the back of slaves on their plantation. So again, another white family getting wealth off of the backs of black people. Cinnamon Hill did not last forever in Elizabeth's family, as it would go on to be owned by George Robertson, Joseph Shore, and then the Henderson family before it was purchased by the previously mentioned Rollins in the 1960s. Famous musician Johnny Cash would go on to buy Cinnamon Hill from the Rollins in the early 1970s, and he, along with his wife June, would spend numerous days making the place their home. Cinnamon Hill would eventually return to the Rollins family in about 2012 after both Johnny and June passed away, and now folks can visit Cinnamon Hill to see where the Cashes once lived, along with learning about its historical significance to the area. Speaking of visitations, I think it's time we get into some occult observations. If you're tuning in to your very first paranormal-based Weird Distractions episode, welcome. Occult Observations is a segment where I read the bad, the good, and the downright weird reviews, aka observations, revolving the paranormal hotspots covered on the show. Since Rose Hall is a tourist attraction, I figured it would be good to see what people are saying about it, which may even persuade you to find the courage to visit yourself. I'll kick off with two negative observations before focusing on some more positive ones so we can end on a happy note as we ease into the paranormal reports. So the first observation is from user Orette South. They posted this about four years ago on Google Reviews and they left one out of five stars. The observation reads as follows. It's better in the night. A night tour is the best. How they set it up, it's so scary. End of observation. The next negative observation is from user TD. They posted this in January of 2024, so literally last month, and they left two out of five stars. Now, TD's observation is a little bit longer than Arette's, so bear with me, but let's see what TD has to say. Quote, I was super excited for the haunted tour at evening, but I was pretty disappointed. The tour guide was great and the house and grounds were beautiful. I've been on several haunted slash ghost tours and they are distinct from haunted houses, which I also enjoy, with jump scares, etc. 
During this tour, after hearing interesting stories in different rooms, the lights would go dark and someone pretending to be a ghost would jump out. There was even fake clanging behind the tomb and ghosts getting way too close to our tour participants. Jump scares can be extremely dangerous for people with pre-existing conditions, and they cheapen the experience in this beautiful home. Please consider restructuring the tour to be an actual haunted tour and eliminate the cheap, annoying jump scares. Also, the tours are way too crowded. They should be called at no more than 15 people. End of observation. Now that we've heard two negative observations, let's get into some of the positive ones. So the first one is from user Adam K. They posted this about five years ago and they left five out of five stars. Their observation reads, quote, Very interesting haunted tour with a great guide nicknamed Curly. The building and grounds were incredible and the guide's performance was just as good. They really captured the extravagance and horror of Rose Hall's past and did a great job presenting such a brutal history in a way that was equal parts engaging and chilling. End of observation. Now, the last observation is from user Stone the Epson. They posted this about six years ago. Again, another one from Google Reviews. This is where I got all the ones I got from today was from good old Google. And Stone left the following observation after giving five out of five stars. Quote, If you're into the supernatural, this is the one place you've got to visit. Not only is it haunted by the Lady of Rose Hall, known as Annie Palmer, but it's also home to many of the slaves and people she abused when she was still living. If that's not enough, Johnny Cash had a home close to this place, which is haunted by Cash himself. But this place is easily in my top 10 places that I want to visit. Just a lot of history behind it, and who knows, you might just meet the spirit of Annie Palmer herself end of observation. That's the final occult observation for Rose Hall. What do you think? Are you going to add Rose Hall to your bucket list? If not, maybe you'll consider it after I tell you some of its alleged paranormal reports. When it comes to Rose Hall, it seems as though many believe it's haunted, despite the constant fact versus folklore debate that has gone on throughout time. And it's not even just Rose Hall. Cinnamon Hill has also been reportedly thrown into the mix with people claiming that it also experiences paranormal activity as well. Let's chat about the phenomena at Rose Hall, starting with what happened when the Ghost Adventures crew investigated back in 2011 during the show's fifth season. It's an earlier episode of Ghost Adventures. I mean, it aired almost over 10 years ago. So it's packed with loads of cringe-worthy moments, including my favorite, which was Zach weirdly passively flirting with the spirit of Annie Palmer. It was so cringe-worthy that at one moment I'm like, do I really need to watch this? Should I watch this? And then for you all, I forced myself to watch it so I could talk about it in today's episode. So you're welcome. You're welcome. The show also had a couple of interesting paranormal situations come up, including when the crew is exploring Rose Hall, they reportedly encounter phantom footsteps, and Aaron reports that he physically feels ill, like he feels weak, he could lay down and take a nap, and people claim that if you're in a very haunted location and you start randomly feeling weak or sick, it's actually the spirits trying to take energy from you one way or another. I don't know what they're using that energy for, whether it's to manifest, maybe it's to play a game of Mario Kart on an N64 nearby, who's to say? Regardless, this is what some people believe. 
Between exploring the Rose Hall and Cinnamon Hill, the Ghost Adventures crew also experienced EMF fluctuations, which some could argue may be an indication something spiritual was with them, whereas others could argue that's not enough evidence to say much of anything. Stepping away from that investigation, let me tell you about some other spooky accounts that I came across while learning about Rose Hall and Cinnamon Hill for that matter. According to the website Burrows of the Dead, people have claimed that if you look closely at photos of Annie Palmer while visiting, it appears as though her eyes follow you as you move around. Almost as if she's keeping tabs as to where you're going next while you wander her former home turned torture house. But that's not all. Some have even allegedly witnessed full-body apparitions of what either appears to be Annie or Rosa wandering the halls. Many people confuse the two. I mean, I mentioned earlier in the history portion of today's show, many people will confuse Rosa's history with Annie's history and vice versa. I wouldn't be surprised if both their spirits were still there, to be quite honest. Johnny Cash wrote a song about Annie Palmer after apparently having his own paranormal experiences while he was living in Cinnamon Hill, which again is nearby Rose Hall. Supposedly during a dinner party one evening, Johnny saw the apparition of a woman in white. She was in her late 30s and according to him, she went into the dining room and then towards the kitchen before just disappearing completely. Johnny would go on to write the ballad of Annie Palmer, which has the following lyrics, quote, Where's your husband Annie? Where's number two and three? Are they sleeping beneath the palm trees beside the Caribbean Sea? At night I hear you ride in, and I hear your lover's call, and still can feel your presence around the great house at Rose Hall, end quote. If the thought of coming across either Rosa or Annie doesn't give you the heebie-jeebies, maybe unseen forces smashing teacups will. Mark Rogers, who wrote a piece about Rose Hall for the Travel Age West website, noted how they asked Michael Rollins if the rumor claiming no one had the nerve to stay the night at Rose Hall was true. Apparently, Michael told him in a direct quote, We've had two or three psychics plan on staying the night but not by themselves, Roland said. None of them made it through the whole night. They reported lots of strange disturbances, such as teacups smashing on the floor, end quote. It makes me wonder maybe if it's Rosa or Annie who's throwing these teacups on the floor because they're upset that people are visiting their home. I mean, who knows? I would be pretty pissed off if someone was visiting my home after I die, but I don't know if I would smash teacups. I feel like that's a little excessive. I should mention another paranormal entity that many people like to mention in regards to this location, being the whooping boy. And yes, I'm saying whooping. Not whipping, but whooping. You'd think his name should be the whipping boy, considering that was what he allegedly did to the slaves on behalf of Annie Palmer when he was alive. Some claim that if you roam around the Rose Hall property at night, you will hear the sound of a whip followed by sounds of a horse charging at you. If that doesn't scare you off the property, then the ghostly sight of a man on a horse brandishing a whip chasing you just might. I wasn't able to find anyone's actual interactions with this entity, so who knows, maybe this is just another layer of folklore. But that's all the distraction I have to offer you for today, so let's wrap up this week's episode.
Rose Hall and the surrounding properties seem to be a beautiful oasis for travelers, offering them a reprieve to wander and enjoy while they forget their worries from back home. Although the property's beauty is what it's known for, it's also hard not to discuss the dark history associated with it and, in general, with these former plantations, including slavery, potential murders, and more. Yes, it's a haunted location that's beautiful and that's interesting, but we cannot forget the abuse that also took place here by any means. Because of the history associated with Rose Hall and its surrounding areas, when weird things do happen, our minds jump to associating it with paranormal activity. But is Rose Hall haunted, or is it another spot that has been given such an identity due to its history? Which may be mixed with a bit, or a lot, of lore. I would love to hear from listeners regarding your thoughts on today's episode. Please feel free to shoot me an email or send me a DM. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, anyone who you think needs a distraction about the show. Doing so is one of the best ways to support this show for free. Speaking of supporting the podcast for free, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify, or whatever platform you're tuning into. When it comes to any corrections that need to be made or perhaps some constructive feedback, please feel free to send me an email at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Are you looking to rep some Weird Distractions merch? Please check out the link in today's show notes for the bonfire link. It's never a bad time to treat somebody you love or perhaps treat yourself. Although the Patreon page is currently on an indefinite hiatus, I just want to thank the previous patrons of the show. Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Shadow, Courtney, Cheryl, Susan, Jennifer, and Kristen. Thank you for supporting the Patreon page. I truly appreciate every single one of you. For those on social media, Weird Distractions can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, and Facebook. Lastly, I'm always wanting to hear from you. I'm looking to hear about your weird paranormal encounters, maybe too close to home true crime cases, and other weird experiences that you're willing to share to be featured on a future Listener Distractions episode. No matter how short, how long, spooky, or just weird, send your tales my way to, again, the show's email address being weirddistractionspodcasts at outlook.com. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.